Hey everyone, I'm Amanda. And I'm Allie. We are so glad you've joined us today. Our podcast is a platform for women to share their stories. We have a different woman share a story on the first of every month. Sometimes we laugh, sometimes we cry, but in the end, it's always encouraging. Be sure to hit subscribe so you'll be alerted the next time we have a podcast. We'd love to connect with you on Facebook, Instagram, or our website, livingoutloud.today. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you will enjoy the show. Now it's time to meet our next guest. Hey, hey, welcome to our February podcast. It's the month of love. The month of love. Okay, and I have a random question, not a serious or important question, but just curious. Okay. Because uh, I was thinking about this. Okay, if we all have a type, before we get married, uh-huh. we all have a specific type in a guy. Yeah. And for me, like, I, I'm thinking, you know, what I looked at when I was like, okay, that's my type or that's not my type. So, when you met Lance, Mm -hmm. what is it about him, not like spiritual, but like physical about him that you're like, yep, that fits my type? Blonde hair and blue eyes. See, I didn't know what color his hair was. (laughs) Blonde (laughs) hair and real blue eyes. I was always attracted to blonde hair, blue eyes, and they always played football. Which is the opposite of you with dark hair, green eyes. Yeah, I mean, and I definitely... Love dark hair, blue eyes. That's so attractive. Right. But for me, I was always attracted to blonde. That was kind of what you always went back to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, For me, it's their eyelashes. Really? How random is that? Like, I remember when I would meet a guy. I mean, not like on a date, but just like see a guy. I'd always look and see if he had long eyelashes. I was Uh just so drawn to guys that had really, really long, dark eyelashes. And if you know my husband. You know that that's true with for him yes. because he has really long eyelashes and praise God my son has them too so oh it just he has like the like, most amazing eyelashes. he does I he know. beats everyone I know, I know. and they're, they're so dark pretty. and they're long and it's just so precious um, so that was my thing for sure that's fun it is funny to think about like most of the time people do have. A type yeah. that you're attracted to. Yeah, yeah. That's a fun question. Thanks mm-hmm. for asking me that. It made <laughs> me think about it for a minute because I'm like, you forget, you know. You do. You do. Um, okay, well, I just have some random thoughts. Okay. You know, these are not important. Just haven't seen you in a week. Um, some things that have been on my mind. One is people in Walmart parking lot, I think they want to get run over. <laughs> Are they just like slowly just enjoying life? Yes, and so I mean, please don't get upset with me if you are one of those people that walk behind cars and maybe you've actually gotten run over. And we know people who've done that, but it wasn't their fault. Yeah. But I'm talking about people that it is their fault when they, I'm pulling out and I'm looking. Yes. Both sides, video camera. Yeah. Back. Yeah. I'm looking. And I start easing out, and oh my goodness, there's a person, there's a person. on my car. Like, <laughs> not on my car, but like I, I can feel like they're almost on my car, and they don't yeah. stop. But yeah. I'm going before them, but they speed up and start walking behind me. It takes a lot to make me upset. I don't get upset easy. Um, but that, 
it just because I don't want to hit anybody. I'm so scared I'm going to hit somebody, and it's not going to be my fault because I am a cautious person. And like I looking. look a million times, but they still yeah. find their way like right up on my car, and they just keep walking. They don't care. Yeah, it's like why are they trying to get it? Well, they're probably trying to get into your car, thinking it's their car. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I'm the only one that does that. <laughs> You're the only one that does that. Um, so anyway, I'm trying to be more um, aware when yeah. I walk in the parking lot yeah. to let the cars go right I know people have the right of way but like if they're already pulling out or already on the go don't make them like throw on their brakes because yeah. they're so scared they're gonna hit you well and I feel like our Walmart which I guess it is probably like this with everything it's just chaotic all the time and no one everyone's going all different directions I never know which lane to get in which side to move on because it's like Cars just kind of do what they want to do. Like, they're just mm-hmm. going to go around somebody or go down the side that you're actually supposed to be coming up on. Yeah. I have the same experience when I go, but I mostly do Walmart pickup. Do you not like Walmart pickup? I do, but, like, the problem for me is finding the time to get online and actually doing Scheduling that. It. It's I know that sounds crazy because yeah. I really would rather do that. Yeah. Um, but I'm usually having to run in there all the time. Right. Just because to pick up something like daily. Yeah. Or like something I forgot. Right. Or something new. And yeah, we live in Oxford. So if you're in a different place that you have all of these different grocery stores, right. we have Kroger and Wal- Walmart. And yeah. I go to both for different reasons. Mm-hmm. But Walmart's just closer to where I'm at. So, right. you know, well, and you're in a different season, too. I mean, you can jump out of the car. You've got a second. Or if, if your child's with you, like yes. one or two of them, I mean, they can walk in there by themselves. Yes. You know, for me, it seems I would rather take 30 minutes to do the whole list for the whole week, even even though that's annoying, than yeah. try to unload my kids and get them in the car seat or out of the car seat into the buggy. No, that's all true. That. If mine were little, yeah. I would definitely do that. Unless we're doing it like, let's go on an adventure. Yeah. You know, because I remember sometimes. one time when we were little, I mean, when they were little, we were in the moving, we moved to an apartment. Yeah. <clears throat> and Connor was a baby. And um, we were just kind of in that transition stage. And one of the grocery stores delivered. Mm-hmm. And that was like what I needed to do because I didn't have a garage to park my car. Yeah, I couldn't leave my baby, right. take my baby in, leave him in the apartment, and go out and get the groceries way in the parking lot. Right. Um, and I couldn't leave him in the car to right. take groceries in. So it was just like an amazing thing. So I would definitely be using that if I had yeah. toddlers for sure. I would yeah. just make myself do it. Right. The other thing is I want to take pickleball lessons. Pickleball here in Oxford. that? Okay, I've heard. So some of my friends from high school, they love it, and they've done pickleball tournaments. When I taught at the activity center here in Oxford, pickleball is huge. I mean, yeah. they have a lot of different. I mean, I think they play like every night and have tournaments too. So I was introduced to it then, but I have no like I've never played it myself. Well, like I've the, watched it. The funny thing is, I've never played anything, and yeah. so <laughs> are you gonna try? The one time I tried tennis, I mean, I was not ready yeah. cardio-wise. Like, I had never played anything, so I'm like, yeah. okay. So that kind of scares me, but it's half the court, right? So it's not as big. Yeah, and you're not having to run, right. And so I want to try to do you it, should. but I want to take lessons where my husband's not with me and no one's around me uh-huh. that knows me, Yeah, because it'll be quite hilarious. But It's a good workout, too. Yeah. So it's You don't a, realize you're working out because you're just trying to chase the ball and get it over the net. <laughs> yes. Okay, yeah. another thing is I am wearing reading glasses now. Okay. Finally. Yes. So I turned 47 in August. Mm-hmm. And 
for like years before that, I kept saying like, I kept hearing people and friends where saying that they wore reading glasses and seeing that, and I kept saying, when is that supposed to happen? Yeah. And they would, a lot of them would say thirty nine. And it, wow. I did not need them. Like yeah. I have bad eyes, like nearsighted, so I wear contacts. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't see without them. But I kept thinking, when is this going to happen to me, the reading glasses? Because yeah. that's got to be weird, a different situation that I'm going to have to deal with. It literally happened this last like few months. Like wow. All of a sudden, didn't need them, and now I'm like, I cannot look at my phone Me without them. So yeah. that's a weird place to be. Yeah, like, I know. Just because I never thought it would come, and here I am reading glasses. I think that that's going to be a shock for me because I don't have glasses. And yeah. I've never worn glasses or contacts. So whenever... I get to that point, it's going to be a major adjustment because yeah. I've gone from not having an issue with my eyes to. I think so to go. too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I have a question for you. Okay. What is a trend today that you just can't do, that you don't understand, and yeah. you just don't like? Yeah. That everybody, it seems like a lot of people like it. Mm-hmm. Well, with it being more in the colder months, um, this is kind of going with fashion and not, this is just not for me. I think some people can pull it off and look cute, but I would never pair it together. So obviously like the seventies, like high-waisted jeans are coming back. I, I like the high-waisted jeans, but I have seen the trend of wearing like super, super baggy yeah. high-waisted jeans where they're not fitting at all. And I like the boyfriend style where they're, you know, not tight, but like these are like three sizes too big, mm-hmm. huge. But then I've seen it paired with oversized like flannel jackets that look like they'd be for men. And then to top it off, like a black toboggan. Yeah. You know, and for me, that just, I think I'm way too girly with my, the way that I dress and mm-hmm. matchy matchy. Like I want my headband to match my earrings, to match my shoes. Like yeah. I get, I get that I'm kind of overboard with that, but if I'm going to pair something that's loose on the bottom, mm-hmm. I'm going to have something that's tight on the top yeah. or tighter. Yeah. And then vice versa, you know, if something tight with a loose jean, you know, yeah. so I don't know. I just can't. Well, I'm with it. you. I'm with you on that. Um, I agree totally. And it, it just kind of makes you look like one big blob, yeah. you know, and like no one likes that. Yeah. And I bet it doesn't even look bad on you because you're so tall. Oh, but like I you put that on I me, I'm like 5'3", and I'm like, like I look like a little stump. Oh, like, yeah. My mom and I used to laugh so hard when I lived at home because she's like five foot and I'm not. I'm really tall. And so the it's things like, that. Is she your mom? I know the things <laughs> that I would wear. But then I see your dad and I'm like, okay. Yes. Yeah. You know, I'd be like, oh, mom, this is the cutest outfit. You know, when gauchos were in style, mm-hmm. you know, the big, like, like bell bottom, but it was, like, loose material, like, stretchy material. Yeah. They called them gauchos. And then they'd even be capris, and they would flare out at the calf, not even, like, the ankle. I was like, mom, you got to wear these. And she'd put them on. I'm like, no, you don't. Like, <laughs> please don't wear these. <laughs> that is funny. That's not, yeah. Well, I, okay, first I want to say. Yeah. If you do this. Listeners, I do not think, ooh, that's ugly. I do not think that. I promise. It, I have so many friends that have these. Yeah. And I think it's great for them. Yeah. I cannot bring myself to like it, and uh-huh. I cannot bring myself to do it. It's the almond shape fingernails. 
Oh, yeah. The pointy? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. and then there's point. Like, is that the pointy? I think so. I just can't do yeah. it. I can't do it. Are you it. more square or rounded? I mean, I'm like the scrounged. It's yeah. the square round. Okay, okay. That's what they call it. Okay. But nobody knows that. Yeah. Except for the people, because I ask them. I'm like, yeah. and I he's want like, square yeah, round. it's really square round. Okay. I just feel like, and I feel, what's funny about that is I'm the kind of person that I know when a trend first comes out uh-huh. that I'm... If I don't like it, it'll probably grow on me. Yeah. And I will eventually like it. So I start in my mind, like, I can get that. And I'm going to start liking it. Yeah. Because I like new things. This has been out for a while now. Like, years. And I cannot do it. I can't bring myself to do it. I don't see that on you anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Or myself. But I've seen on other people, it works for other people. It does. It looks great. And I'm also not one of those paint all the little designs on the fingernails Uh I think it's great for other people but I just can't do it yeah and I think it's it's pretty on other people right but I it's another thing I can't do I don't know why maybe it's because I'm 47 and I I'm sounding like my mom and grandma like I can't do that whenever I'm really not like that about like certain things but it's good to hear that you are that way about certain things too so it's not just an age thing for sure well speaking of things are you ready to share what our favorite thing is yeah girl go ahead this month okay I brought it. Okay. Are you ready? Oh, I love it when we can bring stuff. <laughs> okay, so, I mean, most of our listeners know that I work in the fitness profession, and I love health and fitness and nutrition. So, side note, this has no health benefits okay. at all. Have you seen these? Mm, oh, those look good. Okay, so these are Nerd Gummy Clusters Rainbow. You can really get them anywhere. And let me just say... I was never a nerds fan, uh-huh. like just eating nerds. Yeah. Honestly, I'm not a real big candy fan. Like I would rather like splurge on a good cake or pie or like warm chocolate chip cookie. That's mm-hmm. going to be my go-to. Um, however, I discovered this through a friend and she was like, I just want you to try them. I was, I was newly pregnant and she was like, this is what I loved when I was pregnant um, I just want you to try them. I'm like, that's just weird. And she's like, no, you don't understand. Like, you're going to be addicted. Could not stop. I ate her whole <laughs> bag of these. They look and so then I started good. sharing them they with my good. friends. And I thought I was just being weird. And I was like, y'all, y'all are going to get addicted. Well, now my friends are sending me screenshots of them not being able to stop buying them. Oh, my goodness. So let me just tell you, on a day that you want to have a little splurge, Mm-hmm. Here's your plan. Go to the gas station, but go with somebody. Don't go by yourself. Because if you start eating these and you're by yourself, you will for sure eat the whole box. Like, absolutely eat the whole box. So when you go, make sure you have your spouse or your buddy or something that you can have someone split them with you. They look so good. (laughs) So you don't feel so sick when you're done. They look so good. I'm not really a big candy person either, but I like nerds. I don't know what it is. I bet it's... The gummy, even just looking at it, though, looks gross to me. I would never pick this off the shelf. Yeah. Ever. I would have never tried it if she wouldn't have made me. And they are I'm wondering if it's because you're pregnant. That you like it even so more because you don't know Well, my like friends it. who are addicted to them now aren't pregnant. Oh, okay. Yeah, so. So, try it. That's <laughs> awesome. I can't wait. I'm going to. Okay, well, mine, even though this is our February podcast, uh-huh. it's really not February, guys. Um, it is August. Yes. <laughs> and Allie is really pregnant, and we're trying <laughs> to get ahead on our recordings because she's going to be having a baby, and she needs some time off. Mm-hmm. So, um at the beginning of this podcast, it was um, February. Yes. But right now it's August. <laughs> um, 
This, so the reason I tell you that is because this song is my favorite right now. Oh, Top Gun. It's just so fun. It's like a fun sound, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I just love the sound of it. I haven't it. heard it. Well, I never watched it's Top on Gun. The, it's called I Ain't Worried Yeah. by One Republic, but it's on the Top Gun Maverick okay. soundtrack. It's and got so, a good beat. Yeah. So I've been yeah. listening to it. It's my favorite. My kids are tired of hearing it, but... I mean, I'm sure when it really is February, I yeah. want to listen to it again. But yeah. right now, it's my favorite. Right now, roll down the windows. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good one. Jessica Lauren Newby wears many hats, but she considers her role as a wife, mother, and disciple of Jesus to be the highest of honors. During her career as a registered dietitian nutritionist, she has pioneered nutrition services through a weight-inclusive lens in multiple arenas. She currently works full-time in her own private practice, with milk and honey, using her expertise in eating disorders, women's health, lactation, pediatrics, and medical nutrition therapy through the weight-inclusive approach for all bodies. She loves helping people find freedom with food so they can experience both physical and mental wellness while they live out their God-given purpose without worrying about weight, calories, exercise plans, or ice cream. She enjoys partnering with student organizations and ministry to bring a gospel-centered message of how to care for our bodies so we can rightly focus on building God's kingdom now and enjoying it forever. She's married to the love of her life, Andrew. In her free time, she loves reading, running, hiking, teaching the Bible, having spontaneous dance parties in the kitchen, and loves playing around with her four wonderfully wild and free children. Welcome, Jessica Lauren. Hello, thank you all for having me. I am so excited to um, just introduce you to all of our listeners because you are a newer friend of mine, which you don't really feel like a new friend. I feel like we've been friends for a long time. And partly, probably because years ago, a a different friend of mine said, hey, I need you to meet this girl. Y'all have so many similarities and y'all just need to meet each other. And I remember randomly messaging you and then... (laughs) missed each other I think COVID happened and then pretty short we ended up in the same small group which gave us an opportunity to align our lives at least once a week which has been helpful and I get to know each other yeah so it's so nice to meet you I've heard great things about you and can't wait to hear your story yes I'm so excited to be here and I feel the exact same way Allie I feel like we've known each other a really long time even though um, the time together has been pretty brief, um, yes. considering the span of our lives, right? Right, right, absolutely. Well, I don't want to waste any time because I'm excited personally to hear your story. I know that I've heard bits and pieces, but I still don't have kind of the whole picture. And so let's just go ahead and start with just giving you the floor and you talk about kind of your faith journey and just kind of open this up and then we'll go into some questions. Okay, great. Um, So I am so fortunate uh, that I grew up in a home where I really don't remember there ever being a day that I didn't know about who God was, who Jesus was. Um, Church was definitely a part of our lives um, from the very beginning. 
I had aunts and uncles and grandparents, all of whom, you know, shared our faith and faith was really central to our families. And so um, I, I talk about often how I don't know what it's like to not know Jesus or know of him. Um, and I'll get into some more of that maybe later um, when I answer some more questions, but um, I feel really privileged to have always known him and who he is and then to come, you know, to a saving faith at a really young age. Um, I remember just being very curious as a child. Um, I'm the firstborn. I want to do things right. And um, so in my teeny tiny little church in Fairhope, Alabama, I grew up on the bay um, and spent the first eight years of my life there before we moved out of the South and um, had this sweet pastor who did children's church every Sunday. I don't know if y'all, you know, depending on the kind of church you grew up in, um, you would come down front and hear a little bit of the Bible and um, maybe some treat or coloring sheet or something like that. And then they would send us back to our seats and we would sit and worship with our parents. And that's so different from what a lot of churches do nowadays. But um, that really is some of my very first memories of what church was. And um, I just remember wanting to know more and asking, what is this whole thing about Jesus living inside of me and me following him? And so um, went, had that conversation with my pastor. My mom took me to his office. I still really remember that day very vividly. And um, little did I know, this is so wild in our story, but um, my pastor at the time was Virgil Payne at Fairhope Baptist Church in Fairhope, Alabama. And flash forward like 20 years later, I'm sitting at a Christmas dinner with my husband's best friend from childhood in North Alabama. And he's talking about how he used to go home to his grandparents in the summer in Fairhope, Alabama. And his granddad was a pastor. And I was like, wait a minute, what? Oh, and he said, <laughs> yeah, Virgil Payne is, is my grandfather. He, he pastored this little church in Fairhope, Alabama. I was like, your grandfather baptized me, like led me to Jesus and baptized me. So my husband's best friend from childhood, it was his grandfather wow. that led me to the Lord. Like how cool is that? Right. Oh um, my God. So awesome. So not a tidbit I get to share very often, but when I'm really just, you know, sharing my faith journey, I'm like, I feel like the Lord just all throughout my life has been really kind to me to show me in hindsight, there are so many things that I have woven together for your good. And just to show you that, like, I've got you. Mm. Um, and I'm in the details. I'm in the really small, sweet things that matter. Um, I'm in the big picture too. Right. But I really do care about the details of your life. And so it was just the coolest moment sitting there at Christmas dinner and being like, oh my goodness, never would I have ever imagined. So um, really sweet part of my story, continued on in church life um, and was really active and involved in my youth group, did lots of um, you know mission trips, centrifuge, center kid. Um, you know, served on like the worship team and, and just did all things. And part of that was really me trying to do good and, and be my own sense of righteousness. Um, I feel like I had to, you know, earn my way or earn my keep, I guess, in the kingdom of God. And I think some of that is just personality and how I'm wired. And some of it is probably messages that I picked up on 
within culture, church culture, et cetera. Um, I think being a firstborn also probably <laughs> plays into that a little bit, but um, I was just always trying to keep the rules, right? But there were still heart issues, obviously. And um, I always share that, you know, I had this kind of come to Jesus moment in college. I remember when I was really struggling in something and my campus minister at the time, I asked him, I was really struggling to know, like, did I become a believer at six years old when I said, yes, I do believe what you're telling me about Jesus and, and I want to be his. Um, and he said in the most eloquent, but like theologically correct way at the same time, he said, you know, I really think that six-year-old little Jessica Lauren gave everything she understood of her six-year-old self to everything she understood of Jesus at that time. And that's really all he asks of us. And so it gave me a really sweet foundation having grown up in the church, but being able to reflect back on that and go, okay, God didn't expect me to have it all figured out at six and have perfect theology or <laughs> to have all my heart issues worked out. And, um, you know, your heart issues at six are a little different than your heart issues maybe at 20. And so um, it gave me a framework, I think, that helped me then, but also that I've carried throughout life because I still have heart issues and all that Jesus is asking is that I give him everything I understand of myself to everything that I know of him and let him help me work it out. So um, that was a really big turning point, I think, for me when I was questioning, am I even a believer after I've done these things and send in these ways and struggled um, and so forth? So um I, in the midst of college, also developed an eating disorder and um, really, I think, separated my fate from that. Um, I did not want to bring the Lord into that because I knew that it was something very contradictory to his best for me. Um, so it's interesting that I work now from um, a faith-based perspective as often as I can with my clients um, who often desire that. And we actually have really good research that tells us that people who recover with a spiritual component are more likely to recover and stay recovered, um, which probably should not be surprising to you as, as believers. But, um, you know, I, in hindsight, I wish I had invited the Lord into that sooner rather than later. Um, so I continued to struggle with that in college, um, finally did some recovery work um, in my post-grad time and um, really just got confronted with how much I was trying to still earn my own way and be my own form of righteousness. So when I started having to do the work with clients that needed recovery from an eating disorder, but I also needed recovery from like the sin and the pride and the self-righteousness in my heart. And um, that's what really, I think, pushed me into a deeper relationship with the Lord that carried me into adulthood. You know, that time from 18 to 24, I think can be so tricky for us in so many different ways. Um, but that was, it was really formative for me and it, there was a lot of pain and a lot of regret, but again, when I look back, I see how the Lord was always keeping me and always interweaving or intertwining the details, um, to just bring me closer to him and, um, to protect me from things, you know, like there were so many consequences of my son that he protected me from. And, um, I'm really thankful for that. You know, I can really relate to when. Well, I love how you put it, trying to be my own form of righteousness. And mm -hmm. I can totally relate as the firstborn, want to do everything right, 
rule follower, um, just trying to earn, you know, earn God's yes. righteousness and just earn, you know, what, all my decisions, I realize I look back, well, I don't want to say all, but several of my decisions were because I, it was more of a sense of control for me, not because yes. I really wanted to please the Lord. It was more just like, if I make these decisions, I'm going to feel like I have more control mm -hmm. over my life instead of, I just want to do yeah. this because it's honoring God. Mm -hmm. And I have told in my story several times of how, I mean, I growing up, I was told so many times of how, and I'm saying this in quotes, but how good I was. I was the good girl. Mm -hmm. and, I mean, my whole life. Yes. Like, how are you so good? Even my younger brother, how do you just do everything right? You know, good. You're so good. You're so good that after mm -hmm. so long, I believe that. And I was like, I am good. Mm -hmm. I do make the right decisions. And that was the worst, but almost yes. best thing for me to realize is that actually, no, I'm not. And mm -hmm. I'm good because of Jesus and what he did mm -hmm. for me. And it just was a whole different revelation and almost like God had to break down like why I wasn't good <laughs> and remind me, you know, not in like a, yes. a negative way. Yes. Like, no, you, you, you have this wrong. You know, you've got this whole thing wrong. Mm -hmm. So I can relate to a lot of what you're sharing. Um, yeah, ahead. I feel the same way. Um, I can relate to coming to know the Lord at a very young age. Um, I always say it was four and a half to five years old, which is so young. And our listeners have heard this before um but it's so young i couldn't remember everything about that experience so as i was growing up you know i had times of like okay am i i know i am i, I love you jesus you know i desire to follow you and i had to have a time of like going back with like i didn't understand everything but i knew that i fell in love with jesus the moment that i heard about him I loved him and yeah. um, gave my life to him. N not that I didn't make mistakes along the way, but I truly had a desire to follow him. And I can relate to Allie as well, just because when you, you do come to the Lord at a young age and you do want to do the right things because you love him, um, sometimes you can get caught up in all the good and, and God has to, you know, show you who you really are, even though you know him, um, but why you are who you are in him because of what he has done. And so um, I love all that you just shared and so good. But um, I have a question. Okay. How did that intertwine with your professional journey today? Yeah. Um, so I remember sitting at the University of Alabama in this workshop for treating eating disorders. And I was like, I really wish I could like skip out, go do homework for in their class because I'm never going to need this. I'm never going to work in the eating disorder field. <laughs> and I laugh when I think about it because, um, I mean, God knew, right? He knew right then in that moment where I was like, I need an excuse to get out of this. And he was like, you're going to need every single bit of this someday. So um, again, the the irony and the humor and the details. Um, but I... I didn't want that accountability. I know that um, I didn't want to work with that population. I didn't want to have to recover and give up the thing that gave me the singular sense of control that I had um, during different crises in, in a, a span of years. Right. And so 
when I look back at that and I, I kind of ran or stepped away from really what the Lord eventually wanted me in, um, I see a parallel with both like my professional development, but also my personal development. And so when I um, moved to a different institution and started working there, again, same thing, like end up, you know, treating all of these individuals with eating disorders. And um, I just felt like it was this continual <laughs> running and the Lord chasing me down. Um, but then later, as I got deeper into my, when I finally surrendered to, okay, fine, I'll do the eating disorder work, having done my own recovery, and then being willing to, to step into that field, um, I fell in love with it. Like I, I loved being with those individuals and, and holding their hand through the process because I had so much compassion. Um, and I, I knew what it was like to sit on that side of the table and so then what eventually happened, and I think this is where I see a big parallel, you know, C.S. Lewis talks about how he doesn't remember um, at what point in his walk he became a believer. He just knows that he left his house as an atheist and he came home as a follower of Jesus and that it was this conversation that evolved with God. And so um, in my own work, as I was treating eating disorders and then treating a, a whole variety of other conditions, I realized that it was really dichotomous and I wasn't approaching it with the integrity that I wanted. And so that's how I found my way into a weight inclusive, um, intuitive eating approach across the board, whether or not a person has an eating disorder. And the, the parallel that I see with that is the same question that I asked right at 20, where I was like, what am I doing? Do I even really follow Jesus? Do I know who he is? Did I become a believer when I was six or not? Um, I really had so much doubt and um, so many questions for the damage that I had done, um, treating people in a very diet focused weight centric way and um so i had to have a lot of grace for myself honestly and go you know what you don't know what you don't know and um we can do better from here right we can know better and do better and we continue to grow and we continue to give what we understand of ourselves to what we know and understand of the people that we're serving and so um i don't know i feel like what i experienced in my faith journey in that way was really helpful for me professionally later on when I kind of had a, a crisis and a paradigm shift of the work I was doing. Yeah, I, I just keep thinking, there's so many things that are kind of rolling around in my mind. I mean, I'm thinking of like, a, like a, almost like a counselor aspect. You, It's always so much more beneficial when you have some type of issue going on in your life and then you find somebody who has been there before, who has walked whatever I'm, you know, walking through or something similar that can relate because you get more of the empathy part mm -hmm. of it instead of just like the knowledge. And I think that that's where um, you are so anointed in a way to do the work that you're doing because of the story that you have personally. Sure. How have you seen God at work in you and through you because of your journey? Yeah. So I, I think what you just said that, you know, there are people who come and they want to make sure you have the right credentials and that's really important. And um, then they have a conversation and they say, okay, I, I didn't know that you've been on this side of the table before. Right. And it, um, it fosters hope. I think um, I talk a lot in sessions with clients about how sometimes when we're in the mess, 
hard to have hope that things are going to get better. And that as believers, especially, you know, we can hold hope out for each other and then we can borrow hope essentially. Right. Um, so I'm hoping for you in the midst of your mess. And I think it's, it can be really powerful when the Lord puts people in our lives that have traversed, um, things, circumstances, um, that we're in and it, it shines a light and says, okay, maybe, maybe I can get to the other side of this too. Um, it's what I love about working with the people that I work with. And that's, you know, I get to connect with people in the midst of their mess and we all have our, our own messes. Um, and the way that I see God at work in that and is that he continues to nudge me forward in my own work, whatever that is. So like, I live in a, a recovered life and, and I don't struggle with an eating disorder at all anymore. Um, but I still have work to do on who I am as a follower of Jesus and trying to be more like him. And so as I think anyone who works in a helping profession, um, you know, you have to check your stuff at the door and show up for the people that you're working with. And so it really has taught me to um, maybe compartmentalize appropriately and lean into the Lord for him to continue to work and heal things in my own life. Because if I don't do that, then I don't show up well for the people that he also wants me to help walk out their journey. And so again, it's almost like an additional piece of accountability um, as I continue to grow in the Lord. I always think it's amazing how God aligns our desires to his will and just lets us use our gifts, our stories to bring him glory and to help other people. And um, so my question to you now is, why do you care so much about helping women break free from dieting and food rules? Uh, yes, um, I care so much about it. Um, maybe annoyingly so sometimes, but um, I, you know, I have been in the midst of that and I have, um, you know, watched or felt my, my brain and my soul and my body um, wither away at a focus on something that is entirely external and fleeting. And, and so I know what that's like. And then I also sit in my office with women and, and with men as well, who, who struggle immensely with um, trying to perfect something that is always going to fail us. And uh, we know that these, these vessels that we have, we live in broken, fallen flesh, and it's been that way ever since the fall. And so it's like, we are trying to attain this perfection in a target that is completely unachievable. And often when we do quote unquote, achieve what we want um, by dieting and food rules and, you know, exercise regimens and so on and so forth, it's never enough. So we always think it's going to be satisfying, but there's, there's never really a stopping point or um, if there is a stopping point, it's more like a crashing point. Like we can't, we can't go on like that anymore. And, and the body shuts down or we're starting to experience um, different kinds of issues and problems along the way. So I hate for anyone to suffer through any of that. That's part of why I care so much about it. Um, but second of all, I think that it is one of the enemy's biggest distractions, especially for women. And I think about how um, when I sit places and I listen to women talk and then the majority of their conversations that I'm overhearing are about what they can eat or can't eat, what they 
can do or should have done for exercise, what they need to do about losing weight. I think about how much could be accomplished in any realm of our lives if we just wiped out all of that talk and all of the focus of our thoughts and feelings, um, all the brain space that it takes up um, to manage those things or fight against them. I think about how it damages our self-worth. Um, and I think about like the enemy rejoices over that, I think, because if he can keep us focused on how many calories or um, what our body looks like in the mirror, or if I'm smaller than this person or larger than that person, then we're not spending our time and our thoughts on the like incredible kingdom work that he's called us to, which is so much more exhilarating and so much more fulfilling and eternal. And so I think it's easy for us to get caught in it and think it's not a vice. It's not a bad thing. Um, it's actually me, quote unquote, taking care of my temple and God is pleased by this. And so the enemy is able to then pull us away from the task that's really at hand and distract us. And I think we, he, he gets away with it because it's not quote unquote, a bad thing. And, um, therefore we lose a lot of our influence that, that the Lord has, you know, <laughs> given us and wants us to use to, um, to grow the kingdom. Mm, that is so good. So good. And, you know, I've never thought about it as a vice that the enemy uses, but I can totally see that in my own life. And then just even in my profession as a fitness trainer in the lives mm -hmm. of so many of my clients too, with nutrition, but also with exercise. And yeah. um, I just love that point of view. And I, I want to kind of move on. This is a question that I'm really curious about. And I think a lot of mamas that are raising kids um, will want to know the answer to this. We have about five minutes left. And so I'm going to kind of pull two questions together. Number one, I want to know, how do you raise your kids around food? Like, how do you talk about it? How do you, you know, do you force them to eat the vegetables? You know, the common questions I'm sure you get <laughs> from people. And then yeah. um, tell us maybe some resources that you use or that you have or have been, you know, benefited from that other moms can check out as well. Yeah, sure. Yes, people love to talk to me about feeding their kids. Um, <laughs> and I love my work with kids. I didn't do a lot of work with children until I moved to Mississippi um, and really enjoyed my time in a, a pediatric specialty clinic. Um, and then, of course, having my own kids um, is, is a different kind of work. <laughs> but um, my husband and I are both incredibly sensitive to raising our children in a food neutral and weight neutral household. So what that means is we don't talk about food as good or bad because food is not moral. Um, and we talk about food being something that we can enjoy, that we can use it for fun. We can use it for fuel. Um, we talk about how food is part of our celebration when people describe food as like, oh, we shouldn't emotionally eat. I tell them I 100% disagree because every time you go to a birthday party and you eat birthday cake, you're celebrating and that's emotionally eating and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, so we try really hard to neutralize everything. Um, and we serve our kids all of their food at the same time. So get the broccoli, the chicken, the 
chocolate cake, whatever all the food components are for that meal, they get it all at once and they're allowed to eat it in any order that they choose. And when I say that to parents, they look at me like I have 12 heads and that's the craziest <laughs> idea they've ever heard. Um, and they're like, that would never work for my kid. They would only eat the chocolate cake. Um, and I say, you know what? It's like a process. Um, it's a process and we have, you know, the Lord walks us through a lot of processes and, and watches us grow very slowly sometimes. Um, but if we don't pedestal things, then children don't know that they're supposed to be pedestaled. So what I mean by that is, and, and this is true, you can come eat dinner with me in my house if you want to see it. We can play all of that stuff. And there are nights where my three-year-old will eat all of the broccoli and not touch anything else on his plate and ask for more broccoli. And then the next night he might very well eat the chocolate chip cookies first, and then he's going to eat all of the spaghetti and he won't touch the grapes on his plate. And it's okay. And I'm not fighting with him at the table and I'm teaching him that he actually can make food choices and that all foods can be part of his day-to-day -day intake. And so then I haven't taught him that he needs to devour every single chocolate chip cookie that he sees because it's special and I don't know when I'm going to get it again. Yeah. So we've taken it from being supercharged to being neutral. Um, and that's the, the best piece of advice that, that I can give parents in a nutshell. Um, we also know I, I work from a weight neutral standpoint, so I, I don't like to reference a lot of obesity research, but we also know that children who eat from an intuitive eating standpoint um, in the division of responsibility through Ellen Satter, which is another great resource. They're less likely to struggle with food or eating issues in any type of way. And they're more likely to just land at their God-given body size um, without trouble around that. Yeah. That is so And anxiety. And just yeah. like, I mean, I, yeah. I about like for myself, um, just like, I can't stop with the sweets. I'm like, mm -hmm. well, why? Well, I didn't have a lot of sweets growing up. Sorry, mom. Yeah. And so it's like, it, it's hard for me to be able to, to stop when I get them. And I just love that. Mm -hmm. I try. I want to that, that is so awesome. I've never heard that advice. <laughs> Food before. is neutral. My 11 year old yeah. is going to love you. Because yeah. <laughs> he always tries to do it anyway. And so I'm just going to be like, just try it. Go for it. And then it's a process because that's so true, especially with young kids. Like it can be so discouraging because all of a sudden, you know, they love Lunchables and, and then all of a sudden they just will not touch a Lunchable and just like gag at the look right. of it. And I'm then like, the next day they love it. So and I'm, I'm like, like what's story of my life yeah like yeah of all of my boys yeah. well it's we have a fun life. question yes. for you thank you for all of that input I'm going to link some of those resources that you shared for our listeners yes. click and look into that as well as your website um but before we let you go we want to ask you a fun question yes okay. so Jessica Lauren um what is your favorite find or favorite thing this month it doesn't have to be, it can be spiritual. It can be tangible. It doesn't have to be, it could be a song. Anything be, that you're loving. Yes. Yes. Um, sheets. We, we have these really great things that I found at the end of the school year last year, but we just started back to school this week for my kids. So, um, it's fresh on my mind. There are these little hooks that go around the headrest and then hang down with another hook so that the child's backpack or lunchbox or whatever the bag is that you're carrying around for them doesn't go into the floorboard and then all of the stuff spill out. 
It's so oh. easy. So it, it just hangs like right behind the driver or the passenger seat, if that makes sense. Cool. And yes. keeps things so organized. Cool. I know it's so great. It was a random Amazon find that I absolutely love. And I can totally send you the link to it. Okay. <laughs> yes. We will attach that to the show notes as well. Thank you so much for yes, coming on it's today. It's been such a pleasure. Having Thank you. Thank you so much.